If you've got a Bible with you this Christmas morning, just turn to Matthew chapter 2. We saw the three wise men. We saw the three wise men there in their story. And uh, this morning we'll pick up the narrative of these guys. Just going to read it now. Okay, so if you've got your pens and your sheets, let's just quiet down a moment and we'll go through the story together. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And after they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they'd seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of uh, diapers, Jordans, oh no, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. We've been looking over this Advent month at the story of the coming light of the world, the Isaiah prophecy we sang earlier, wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We looked at Mary's preparation of heart, her obedience. We looked at John's incredible first chapter telling us that the true light, which gives light to every man, is coming into the world. We looked yesterday at the, how this light of the world, Jesus, shines through our lives and is reflected in the world around us. But today, this Christmas day, we've come to worship this King Jesus. And so this story of the wise men from the East is helpful for us. These exotic travellers in every nativity scene, you find them appearing alongside the shepherds and the newborn baby with the star overhead. But the reality from the story in the scriptures is far removed. Sorry to spoil it for you. But as these wise men appear, the shepherds have long since gone back to their flocks. The family are now living in a house in Bethlehem. There's no stable, there's no manger, um, uh, there's no baby according to the text. The wise men come and meet Mary and the child, Jesus. It's probably up to 18 months, two years on from that divine night when Jesus was born. These men who've come from probably somewhere that we would now call Iraq or Iran uh, to the east of Bethlehem, they saw the star probably when it appeared around the time of Jesus' birth. 
uh, and then have followed it through to this current night. If you read on in the story, you find that King Herod, who uh, uh, orders all the male uh, infants under the age of two to be killed to protect his political interests, it gives us a clue of the dating uh, that we're probably not talking about the night itself when Jesus was born. Even the star itself, I'm not so sure about it. My own view is that the same bright, shining angels that appeared to the shepherds on the night Jesus was born were also the star, the beautiful, glorious, shining light that these wise men followed. The fact that this star moved as they followed it, it's remarkable. It's like the, the, the perfect sat-nav that you could unwrap this Christmas. Uh, very specific uh, your destination you've now reached, it's 100 yards on your left. It says the star travelled in front of them and stopped over the very house where Jesus was. It's remarkable. It takes them right to the door. It makes me think it's some kind of guiding angelic light that led them. But even if it's not an angel, then nothing is too hard for the Lord. That's something that Mary said earlier when she met the angel. This is the same God who led his people Israel through the desert for 40 years by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. It's the same God who caused the sun to stay at midday in the sky for a whole day in Joshua chapter 10 so his people could fight against the Ammonites in battle. However God led them, whether by star or by angel, these men travelled probably for two, even to three months on the trade route from somewhere near Babylon with their attendants, with their guards. It's a long, it's a deliberate journey. It's a journey that took preparation. If you've just travelled to be with family for Christmas, if you're travelling with toddlers this Christmas and babies, it takes some preparation just to get the bags ready. This is a long and deliberate journey. It took expense. It wasn't a curious whim. Hey, there's a star. Let's go see what that's shining over. No, no, they were determined to get near to this child who would be king. So what can we learn from this story on this Christmas morning? Well, one thing is true that we can say. God in his plans and his sovereignty is always ready to lead people to Jesus. Always ready to lead people into his plans and his purposes. This is the same God who arranged for the prophet Daniel earlier on in the story of God's dealing with his people to be taken out of Jerusalem and into exile in Babylon, probably the same city these wise men came from a few hundred years later. Daniel was captured by Nebuchadnezzar, the king at the time. Daniel, uh, this is the same God who caused Daniel and his friends to be singled out by the evil pagan king and added in as an advisor because of their faithfulness to God. This is the same God who enabled Daniel to interpret a dream for the evil pagan king Nebuchadnezzar under threat of death, which meant that he was promoted to prime minister in a foreign country. And so God's people there had a measure of protection until he brought them out of exile back home to Jerusalem. Let me tell you, you can read story after story in the Bible and you find that God in his sovereignty seems to enjoy the story seems to enjoy the the journey, never seems to take a direct line through to his purposes. The process for God is important for him in bringing people into his plans and purposes, in leading people to Jesus. All of that is important to God. Angels, stars, old prophetic promises from the scriptures. Maybe these men that came from the east had Jewish friends back in Babylon. There was a big Jewish community there. They would have known the scriptures Even the guidance of evil King Herod and his own chief priests and teachers of the law. God uses all of this just to get these men to the feet of Jesus Christ. 
if these pagan men from the east could be drawn to Jesus by God, then I think we can agree today that no one is too far away from Jesus. No one is too deep in unbelief or in another faith. No one is too far from God's saving reach. God is always ready to move heaven and earth. God's always ready to use people, people who pray and are searching for him, and those who even are against the gospel, to bring about circumstances which will draw people to Jesus. Don't the scriptures say later on of Jesus, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So friends, if you're a believer in Jesus today, you can join me in praying with confidence for those who seem to us right now far away from Jesus Christ. Father, would you guide them? Would you lead them? Would you alert them to your presence? Would you awaken their desire to come to you? Would you intervene in the circumstances of their lives? Would you do whatever is necessary in order that one day they may find themselves at your feet like these wise men? You can pray that kind of prayer with me this Christmas. If there's someone in, in your heart about whom you've said they're too far away from Jesus. You can say sorry to God for that right now and you can begin to pray with a confidence to the God who brings wise men from the East at that Christmas time. Who knows what God is unlocking in the lives of those whom we're praying for. Verse 10 in the story, we find these wise men are overjoyed as they approach the house where the mother and her child are. At the end of the long search, 18 months probably of preparation and contemplation, leaving home, travelling across desert land, and now they've come to the, the pinnacle of their journey. No wonder there's deep and overflowing joy. I'm just happy to arrive at my parents after three hours in the car with the family, bickering. Uh, now they're so big on the back seat that they don't all fit in together. These guys have travelled for months together. They haven't even seen Jesus yet. They're just outside of the house. They're just looking at the sign still that points to Jesus, and yet the joy is already flowing. I love the old translations of the scriptures here. It says of these wise men, they rejoiced exceedingly with exceeding joy. That's quite good, isn't it? I think the double use of the word exceeding is always worth throwing in, particularly over Christmas, and it gives us a hint of what was going on and bubbling up in their hearts. Verse 11 tells us that this is all about worship. Let me just read it for you. I thought I left my thumb in there, but I've taken it out again. Let me go back to Matthew chapter 2. And verse 11, they've arrived at the house. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. They presented him with their gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. This is all about worship, but the preceding worship uh, verses teach us that worship starts much earlier. It starts, as we've been saying, in the preparation of their hearts. There's been a focus, a costly journey, a setting aside of all lesser business even the important things of their life put to one side for this period of time, a welling up of anticipation which is about to burst the banks. I wonder again, I speak to disciples of Jesus this morning, when you or I last approached worship of Jesus in that way. This is the, the language of love. This is, this is the language of romance. It's, it's like planning to get away to see your beloved as the time approaches, the excitement growing. Some of you remember that. I hope you do. Um, the anticipation of meeting and, and love being consumed. This is what worship is. It's the journey of worship. It's, it's how our hearts are prepared as we approach Jesus. Just think how our worship might be enriched if we were to approach Jesus in this way, if we were to set aside time to read the scriptures, to pray, 
to welcome his presence, to ask him to speak to us, to reveal himself to our hearts. How joy would bubble up from within us as we prepared for Sunday worship or any other kind of worship in that way. And now we find the nature of their worship. They bowed down. One of the the New Testament words that gets translated worship in English means literally to bow, to acknowledge and recognize the authority of Jesus, to give him worth and honor. Remember, these are men who probably carried honor and status in their own tribe and now bowing, giving honor, submitting themselves to the leadership of Jesus Christ, a child. It's bizarre, unless it's true. They humble themselves before him. It's radical worship. These men probably haven't yet fully understood the gospel in the way we know it now, and yet this act of honouring shows already their hearts are open towards God. And these costly gifts, they're they're not really very appropriate gifts. As we saw in the video, there were more appropriate gifts they could have given a child. I remember when ours were little, we had one or two mad aunties that that gave our children strange things for Christmases and birthdays. And you, hey, thanks very much, uh, but what am I going to do with with those? Um, But here they give gold, frankincense and myrrh. Gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, myrrh for his death. That's not something that you want to give to a mother when she's recently given birth. They were to anoint him as king and to prepare him for his burial one day. These were prophetic gifts. They weren't good for now, but they were gifts fit for the king he had come to be. The kind of king who would come not to be served, but to serve and give up his life as a ransom for many. We know now this Jesus left aside the glory of heaven to take on human form, to live amongst us. We know now this Jesus would die without sin, would be nailed to a Roman cross for our sakes. We know now what these men didn't know, that Jesus would be raised to life again by the power of God, that he would ascend into heaven, that he'd give his Holy Spirit to help us and lead us, that one day he would return gloriously in victory. We know now that one day every knee will bow as these men bowed, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In the meantime, will we bow this morning before this King Jesus? And finally, these men were the first of many from the east to bow to Jesus Christ in worship. Revelation 7, at the very end of the story, speaks about the return of Jesus. Carries a wonderful prophetic promise that one day a multitude that nobody can count from every people group, every language group, every nation will bow before the throne of God. These wise men, these magi, are a prophetic promise that help us this morning. They've come from the east, but they point to many more, many millions who will come from that part of the world as worshippers of Jesus one day. Today we've come from the north. We're quite a long way away from the birthplace of Jesus Christ, and yet here we are bowing and worshipping before him. Praise God for the 100 million plus believers in the far east in China today who've already been up way before us worshipping Jesus this morning. Praise God for the growing number of disciples in the place that these wise men came from, in Iraq and Iran, across the Middle East, through the former Soviet republics. Praise God that some of the first worshippers of Jesus, these wise men, are able to remind us of God's huge promises to gather for himself worshippers from every language group on earth. Even if right now we sense that politically or religiously some nations may be closed. This bright shining promise from the scriptures tells us otherwise. Even with persecution in this story where Herod soon comes and kills the infants who were in Bethlehem at the time. We're aware now today and praying today for persecuted Christians around the world. But we believe a promise that one day 
a number no man can number will gather around Jesus. We believe the old promise from Isaiah 9 that of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. We believe the promise that this child who will one day say as a man, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. So here in Crawley this Christmas, we can pick up these promises. We can thank God for our growing diversity that reflects in some small way these promises. But we can thank him too as we move into the new year that one day soon we'll see worshippers from every nation on planet earth, here and beyond, worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord Jesus, we've come to worship you today. We thank you we can be confident that you're going to lead those around us who are far from Jesus, so very near to your Son. We thank you, Lord, that we can joyfully anticipate your presence as we come and grow as happy worshippers of you. Lord, we thank you this morning. We've had the privilege of bowing before you in submission as our King and as our Lord. And Lord, we thank you we can pray confidently for those even in closed up nations, as well as for disciples that you're going to have for your son from every background in Crawley, here and beyond in other nations too. We pray these things in your mighty name this Christmas day. Amen. Amen.